Welcome to the Irishman, Englishman and Scotsman football podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Irishman, Englishman and Scotsman football podcast back in Salzburg out of quarantine. Joe, how you doing? Really good. Thanks, JP. Great to be here. So you brought the weather with you as well. Uh, Finnell. Yeah, happy that the pubs are opening back up in Scotland in a couple of weeks. So, yeah. Kev, you look very chirpy and happy after Diego Jota scored the winner last night. And Liverpool are back in the, the hunt for a Champions League place. Yeah, well, more, and more to the point, but I'm back in Spain as well now for a little bit. So uh, Oh, you're back in Spain? Oh. Uh, yeah, everything's looking rosy we... now, mate. And the pubs are open here already. Some people would think you were trying to avoid Joe. As soon as he arrives, you head off to sunny Spain. Right. Well, well for some, lucky for some. Okay, guys, uh, cracking on. We only have four games this weekend due to the FA Cup. Big games. We'll go to them in a couple of seconds. We will have a look back, of course, at last weekend. Some big results and some shakers and movers on both ends of the table. But quickly, I just want to speak about goalkeepers. Um, last week, I had a, a brilliant chat with uh, David Ford, the Ireland goalkeeper, ex-West Ham and Millwall as well, about Trapattoni, about Martin O'Neill, about the Euros, and about keeping out the Germans and Gelsenkirchen. Uh, really, you know, top guy, great chat, I have to say. That's available on our YouTube channel. Uh, just check it out, the interview with David Ford. Keeping with goalkeepers, Finno, you also had a chat with, with a Scottish goalkeeper. Tell us about that. Yeah, so I caught up with Jonathan Gould, the, the goalkeeper that, well, won Celtic their, their first league title in 10 years and uh, went to the World Cup with Scotland in '98. Um, and also chatted through some of his coaching career down at Deepdale with Alex Neal and also over in Australia with some some former Rangers foes. Good stuff. And when, when is that available, Finno? Thursday this week, so in a couple of days' time. Right, Thursday evening on our YouTube channel, folks. Uh, okay, Joe, Southampton, you know, defeat again to, to Brighton, which really didn't help Newcastle at all, i got to say. And, you know, like... Things are they're, they're very tasty down at the bottom now. There's a possibility, even though I really don't think it, that Southampton themselves could be looking over their shoulders now. Even though they got that win at Bramall Lane a couple of weeks ago, you know, it's that, that Brighton defeat. Is there that sense of fear in Southampton or do you feel like you've, you've done enough? Uh, I think certainly from the, like the reaction I've seen from the Southampton fans, they are now starting to panic a little bit because that's now 10 defeats in 12 it was an absolute shit show against Brighton. We were, it was the worst performance of the season. And that's not me be kind of being dramatic. Ralph said exactly the same thing. We were just really, really poor. Brighton were better for pretty much all of the match, deserved to win. We have still got West Brom, Burnley, and a couple of teams where you think we could get, a, a, you know, a win or a couple of points from. But I just can't believe that we're in this position now where we're hoping that teams below us don't you know, pick up wins and we're going to stumble up over the line if we do. Whereas it was only a couple of months ago, we were kind of flying high. So it's incredible turnaround. And I, I just can't quite believe that we're in this position. It's very, very demoralizing. I think Joe, you're, you're spot on there. It's, it's stumbling over the line and I can't help but think about Kev's way of looking at things where you basically need a point for every game that's left. And I think Southampton fans, you're, seven points clear of Fulham with nine games left and you're starting to eke ever closer to that magical one point per game gap 
Um, but yeah, all it takes is a couple of couple of wrong results, and you're you're right there in there. Tell you what, I wouldn't fancy that game against Burnley right now either. You know, um, a few weeks ago that might have looked like you know maybe a win for you, but wow, I don't know anymore. I actually think you'll be all right. I think you're just being nervy. I think you easily pick up the uh, you know the handful of points that you need, but yeah, just not necessarily in the next game back. This was the first time where watching the match was generally a bit kind of shocked at how bad we were. <laughs> it was really, really, really poor. Uh, Liverpool winners last night, Kev at Wolves. Diego Jota scores against his former club. You're back up to six now and only five points off Chelsea in fourth. So, you know, still 10 games left. And yeah, I mean, or nine in Liverpool's case, but it's, it's still very much a possibility to, to finish in that, in that top four. I obviously didn't see the game last night. What what was the performance like? It was pretty good, you know, or or at least it was okay. It was like, um, it was almost the way I wish we'd have started playing about six weeks ago when it all had clearly already gone off the rails, you know, and you just sort of thought, well, maybe what they need to do is just go back to basics a little bit. They're, they're, They're better footballers than most of the opposition in the league. You know, they should be able to more or less keep the ball. They should just be able to play with their strengths. And they should just be able to, you know, trust in whatever backup defenders they have. And I think, obviously, you know, Kabak's come in, so so Klopp seems to have a bit more trust in him. But he's playing Phillips there again, as as everyone knows. So they're playing, you know, proper centre backs now. And Fabinho back in midfield seems to seems to have made that difference. I mean, not much has changed though, to be honest. It's just that it's it's, it's Fabinho coming back into the middle, playing a, putting whatever, even though they're not the greatest defenders in the world, putting your trust in them. I think the fullbacks are defending as well. So I think they've they've said to both of them, you know, concentrate a little bit more on on defending and just keep it solid. And yeah, and I, I think this is probably the way forward now for the next few weeks. I think they'll just they'll just say, well, you know, we're a pretty we're a pretty good side. You know, we've we've got every chance of nicking a goal against anyone. If we keep it solid, then 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 let's just do that. It's a long way from the, you know, from the from the marvelous spectacle of three years ago. Um but like I've said before, it's because the players are terribly out of form. You know, Mane is just shockingly out of form, you know. So what are you going to do? So, yeah, they've, they've done what they can. And I suppose there's still a chance of fourth, but I don't think anyone's getting too excited about it yet. Yeah, I was going to say it was a fairly big week for Liverpool in the fact that West Ham lost, Everton lost, Spurs lost, Chelsea drew. So you managed to kind of make up a, a little bit of ground in the race for that fourth spot. Yeah. And you know, obviously they got the they got the result as well against uh, Leipzig. So the season's not over in in Europe either. So they got you know a bit to play for. And it's sometimes the break comes at a terrible time, doesn't it? When you feel like you're on a run, or alternatively, you've just had a shocking result, and you just think, oh god, we would have wanted to bounce straight back, or or alternatively, we just felt we were getting somewhere. I don't think Liverpool are playing themselves into form. So I think this break comes at a nice time for them, and I just think I think they'll hope a couple more players back from injury. It's definitely. A point of concern for me as a West Ham fan, the running that the Liverpool have. I think there's a three or four game stretch where they play teams at the other end of the table, which again just creates that momentum going into the final couple of games of the season. Where, you know, in my mind, potentially Liverpool are one of the favourites to nick that last uh, Champions League spot. Oh, yeah, 100%. You know, Liverpool could easily win the last nine games in a row. You know, they're still the Premier League champions. They've got the players just to, you know, click and turn it on and, and go for it. But, you know, bearing in mind those teams down at bottom, like Fulham beat Liverpool a few weeks ago, and they're down at the bottom fighting for their lives. So I think it's the mid-table teams that, you know, will, will basically 
in their head psychologically be on the beach somewhere, you know, vaccine and COVID providing and stuff. But uh, yeah, the bottom teams definitely will, will be fighting for their lives. And there's so many down there now. Um, big winners, of course, at the weekend. I think, you know, Arsenal, huge win for them against Tottenham in, in the, the derby. Man United, of course, uh, the win against West Ham got over the line. Leicester hammering Sheffield United 5-0 to kind of cement their place in the top four, even though the, the injury troubles they have. But um, that that's a massive win, Joe, for, for Brighton, really, i got to say. And, you know, I was, I was you know, like I said, nearly crying into my, my tea when I, when I looked at the scoreboard. I thought, oh, God, really? You know, and now it's a case of this game that's coming up on Friday night. Newcastle could be could be into the relegation zone by, by Saturday morning. And, and that's it. Of course, Man City beat Fulham quite easily. Uh, 3-0, you know, normal service resumed for them after after the Man United game. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know when they can win the league, but, yeah, I don't think, I don't think it really matters. Aguero's back and he scored. There's talk whether he won't be there next season because of the fact that, you know, I mean, he's getting on a bit. Will he go to Argentina? Who knows? Um, yeah, Burnley, of course, winning at Everton was massive. Big game. Did not watch Leeds and Chelsea. Not sure if it was a bore draw, but uh, I wasn't expecting a nil-nil draw from Leeds or Chelsea. Finno? Yeah, look, I, I've watched Leeds the last couple of weeks, and I mean, if we start to to look at towards this weekend's games, um, I'm just ever so slightly getting the feeling that Leeds's legs are going, and the concentration levels aren't quite as spot on as they maybe were earlier on in the season. Um, you know, there were a couple of times where I saw Chelsea in attack. And their defence was even more out of position than it would normally be. You know, players taking the wrong decisions by trying to cover runs that just weren't happening. Leeds were pretty good, though, against Chelsea, defensively aside. They probably had the best chance to score, I would say, when I think it was Rafinha had a a really good uh, shot in the second half and Mendy just made a ridiculous save with his left hand. But, yeah, I think they're, they're... season is pretty much done there's nothing really to play for so a game like this on Friday night with with Fulham that do have a lot to play for you just never know really how that's going to go yeah I agree I think I was looking Leeds haven't scored in their last three Premier League games have they and Bamford went off injured against Chelsea so he, he he may not be available so I wouldn't put it past Fulham winning this game, you know, and then and then things get really, really interesting with the likes of Newcastle, Brighton, Southampton. Yeah, Friday night, nine o'clock at Craven Cottage, Fulham against Leeds. Absolutely massive games. And you're right there, Joel, there be a lot of teams looking over their shoulders, hoping that Leeds can get something from this game. Uh, Fulham, of course, beaten 3-0 by Man City. For the first time in, I don't know how long, a win will get them out of the relegation zone. You look back a few weeks ago after, maybe a few months ago, it was since Newcastle beat Southampton, but they were 10 points clear of Fulham then. And now to think that Fulham, with a win on Friday night, will get out of the, out of the relegation zone. They've been really impressive as well. Um, they've won two of the last five, beat Liverpool and Everton. And on the ball, you know, they pass the ball so well. They're, they're so hard to, to, to you know, to, to stop when they're in possession. Um, Leeds have only won one of the last five. But like you said uh, there, Fino, they were pretty solid defensively against Chelsea, nil-nil. I don't know which way this one's going to go, but the way things are going... For Newcastle at the minute, you know, really, I can only see a Leeds or a Fulham win. Sorry, Kev. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that I think they're really impressive, Fulham. Um, you know, obviously, you know, a flawed team like everyone down there absolutely is. Could do with some more goals, of course, but but they've played really well whenever they've played. I think most of the big big sides. I, I didn't watch the Man City game, but I'm assuming 
I think all the goals came in the second half, didn't they? And um, so obviously they must have put up a pretty decent show. Now, I, I just think compared to the, you've got the bottom two, right? The bottom two, class apart. Um, look at that goal difference again. Sorry to come back to it one more time, but the goal difference on the, for those two is, I don't know, in the 30s or 40s or something like that, negative. And Fulham are just nothing like that, you know, just nothing like that. And so I think, yeah, a, um, a slightly, not edgy, because like you say, maybe they've not got much to play for, but just like a lead side that looked like they're just not at their peak. I'm afraid, JP, there's only one winner in this one. The yep. thing that I would say, though, is, you know, you expected Fulham to lose to Man City, I think the really upsetting thing for Scott Parker will be the manner in which they were doing so well until that first goal went in and then 15 minutes later they were 3-0 down and the heads went down and the game was done. You know, that 15 minutes just after half time, okay, Man City came and, and won the game, but Fulham didn't put up the same fight that they put up, put up in that first half and you just wonder whether or not the first goal is going to be crucial here. Yeah, I was just going to say, though, Man City can do that to you because earlier in the week, Southampton played Man City. And for the first 20 minutes, we were fantastic. You know, Pep Guardiola said we were one of the best teams that they've played this season for, for the first 20 minutes. And then before you know it, we've conceded five goals. So, you know, Man City can do that to any team in the league. You don't want to listen to Guardiola, though. He's a terrible flirt. He says that, he says that, about, he says that about all the teams. Oh, Southampton really were value for money, and then they got the, the penalty, obviously, to um, to equalise, and they had a chance then to you know to go ahead. Um, but like you said, when when City went ahead, there was just there was no stopping them. Absolutely massive, massive game at Brighton on Saturday night, nine o'clock. Brighton against Newcastle. This is squeaky bum time. Brighton will be flying after the win against Southampton, and uh, before that, they had lost three in a row. Though Newcastle drew one-one with Villa. And uh, now I thought this game was over. I actually just was about to throw the TV through the window when that the, the jammiest goal of all time from Ollie Watkins hits off the defender's knee and goes in for a 1-0 lead to, to Villa on the 88 minutes. Of course, uh, Jamal Lascelles got the 94-minute equaliser, which meant... Now, this might sound positive, but I, I don't like saying anything positive about Newcastle at the minute because it'll just come off, fall back in my face. But uh, Newcastle are unbeaten in three. They've drawn the last three games, but they have been a bit, a little bit tighter at the back. Um, they were slightly better than Villa, I thought, but this, both teams were terrible. This was a, an absolute terrible game. And Newcastle set up very, very negative, but maybe clever in the sense that the two forwards who were um, Dwight Kale and Joe Linton played on the wing almost, which meant that those both giant uh, centre-halves, I think it's Konza and uh, the other the big centre-half Villa have, were kind of, you know, wondering coming out of the channel, which left a little little bit of space for Ryan Fraser, who was once again very wasteful. Um, Jacob Murphy came on with a few minutes to go and really beat the goalkeeper, beat the defenders, hit the bar, and I thought, you know, that was it. So, you know, you also have this this thing where I spoke about earlier on in the season, sometimes a team gets it like a boost from a late goal like that to salvage a game. The, the difference is with Newcastle, again, that the three main forwards are still out. Brighton are playing decent football. They've been very unlucky in a lot of games they lost. They are a threat. They're creating chances. Newcastle, I think, had more chances in the last 10 minutes than they did in the first 80. So, you know, Wilson, uh, St. Maxime and Almiron news today that they won't be back until hopefully Spurs on April the 3rd. Uh, now, Newcastle do have a game in hand, you know, of Fulham. So if Fulham don't beat Leeds, Newcastle can get something from this. Maybe a win would be amazing. But... You know, I, I, lads, 
I, you know, I take a draw right now, but uh, yeah, I have a feeling Brighton, Brighton could sneak this because they're playing better football. Joe, how good were Brighton against Southampton? Did they deserve to win or, you know, were Southampton just that bad? Brighton 100% deserved to win. And the player that stood out for me was Adam Lallana. He completely ran the show. It was kind of the Lallana that we were used to watching four or five years ago, you know. Um, and I think he he could definitely do the same against against Newcastle. When he's in form, he's just brilliant to watch. And, you know, Brighton haven't won many games recently. So you were expecting when Southampton brought it back to 1-1 that Brighton might get a bit edgy, then morale may drop, but they weren't. They came out second half and just dominated. Um, obviously, they'll have a lot of pressure off their shoulders now. And for them, I think in their minds, they'll think if we beat Newcastle, then we're pretty much safe. So um, I actually think Brighton will uh, win this game. Yeah, but, but like on the other hand, the pressure, I don't think it's often because if they lose this game, and Fulham obviously win on Friday night, then they're in big, big trouble. I think Newcastle will look at someone like Lalana, uh, like they did with James Rodriguez at Goodison Park. And as soon as the game starts, someone like Isaac Hayden will smash him, you know, let him know. Um, I, yeah, I'm not really confident. Like I said, if Fulham don't win, I take it. I take a draw for Newcastle. But uh, moving on, Fino, Sunday, West Ham against Arsenal, five o'clock. Lost against Man United. Arsenal had the big win over Spurs. This game could go a long, long way to decide who's going to finish in the European places. Yeah, I mean, for the second time this season, I come on to the podcast feeling quite down about West Ham because it's it's the what if. You know, we, we lost United by playing the crest and the club rather than the team that was in front of us. And we paid for it. We put Noble in the midfield with Socek and Rice. It gave us protection, but it offered very little going forward. On the other side, you know, Arsenal played well against against Tottenham, and I said last week that this past week was a big week for for Arsenal and Arteta, and they've they've kind of come through it pretty unscathed, I would say. Um, with Liverpool winning, I'm starting to feel that bit of pressure on West Ham to win here, and kind of solidify the fact that we are really chasing for top four rather than than hoping for for European football in terms of the Europa League. Yeah, I mean, on the other hand, it's a massive game for Arsenal, who will have got the confidence from, you know, beating Tottenham. They themselves would have aspirations of possibly sneaking into a European place after what, you know, has been a, a disastrous season. Um, yeah, look, I, I think West Ham overall are probably too strong for Arsenal as a unit, you know. It depends really if Arsenal's big players turn up or pop up. Or if their players turn up on time or not. <laughs> very good, very good. Um, Aston Villa against Spurs is our final uh, game of the weekend on Sunday night, half past eight Central European time. Villa were absolutely terrible against Newcastle, I thought. Very lucky goal. <laughs> They've no Jack Grealish, no spark. That seems to be the way. And you know, they often it was, it was a Newcastle were really bad, but Villa, like I said, were, were equally bad. Um, two big players came off for Villa with, with injuries, you know, and Tottenham, of course. I've got to say, first, before we go on about this this actual game, Eric Lamella has surely scored the goal of the season with that Rabona. You know, that was absolutely out of this world, unbelievable goal. But, you know, they lost. They lost the London derby to Arsenal. And the little, you know, return of form of Bale and Kane and the Tottenham revival, yeah, it seems to be off the rails again. And, uh, yeah, they're down in eighth place. If they win this, they're level on points with uh, West Ham providing the West Ham... Uh, 
don't win against Arsenal. So big game for, for, for Spurs. Villa, who had all those games in hand, I think that you know Villa's season is really over now, lads. I think um I think this is an interesting one for Tottenham because Tottenham basically tend to beat the sides um who are below them, don't they? And then not do all that well against the other big teams. So I, I reckon uh I reckon it's too close to call because they're right next to each other at the table. But it's just so typical, like you say, of um of Spurs, wasn't it? Because they go ahead, you know, with that that goal, you know, it's just just amazing. It's just su- such a beautiful you know, strike such an amazing. You know, the audacity to have the audacity to do it. He's done it before, hasn't he? He's got form. There's a video going around on the on social media all weekend about it. So you just you just love to watch it. But then what do they do? They just sort of go back into their shell a little bit. What a frustrating team! I, do you know what? I, I don't think I'd enjoy being a Tottenham fan at the moment. I think it's interesting. You know, obviously they lost, and the reactionary nature of sports papers and columnists and all sorts will be to you know, pounce on that loss for Tottenham as a disaster for their their European football ambitions, their top four. They're only six points off Chelsea with a game in hand. You know, they could easily be in the top four conversation. And maybe I'm sticking up for Mourinho a bit too much, but, you know, there's a lot of discussion around him underachieving if they don't make the top four. Do we think he's really underachieving for a team that, you know, haven't won a trophy since 2008 or whatever it was, They've been to four finals in the last twenty years. You know they're in the they're in the cup final against Man City. They're doing relatively well in the Europa League. They're doing well in in the league itself. This is their first loss in six games in all competitions since they lost to West Ham. Yes, it's a sore one to lose, but I think Tottenham are probably, you know, myself aside, probably exactly where everyone expected them to be. I did fancy them to beat Arsenal, though, uh, you know, just on the form guide. You know, hopefully, from Spurs' point of view, it won't be too much of a, you know, a blow that, that it will affect their confidence going forward. Uh, right, guys, that uh, that rounds up that only four games, and I think we've covered them pretty much in depth. Lots more to come. But before we go anywhere, of course, uh, our man in Spain, Kev, has got some lyrical genius for us. Kev. <laughs> Let's see. Eight games to play, maybe nine, maybe ten, and it's murky as hell in the top four again. Not the bright lights at City with their own brilliant wattage. They were blinding again, Satinik, Creven Cottage. Stone scores once more to confound the predictors. Jesus and Aguero had gloss for the victors. Fourteen points clear and Pep could not be safer. Below, life's a riot with all still to play for. United okay, despite shades of exhaustion. They edge past West Ham and own goal for Craig Dawson. But it's top four enough for the board to back Ollie. Reports in midweek say he's now in the lolly. I've no inside info, just a football civilian. But three years of Solskjaer, 27 million, seems somewhat pricey, but not out of place in a country that spunk sporty build, track and trace. Perhaps they can use that fat check from the Tories to look into other strange mystery stories, like what has become of the form of our Mane. We can't go on calling it just the odd bad day. At Molyneux, he couldn't pass, couldn't shoot. He looked more untidy than the great King Canute. Yet somehow, while still playing like a beginner, off balance, he found Jota for a Reds winner. Liverpool are back. Yeah, I know, premature. Leicester 5-0 look a lot more secure. But a much-needed win means they now have a glimmer, as Everton, Chelsea hopes turned a bit dimmer. Arsenal? Well, they're in North London presiding. Tottenham looked boss, but then went into hiding. Mourinho irate, that inveterate moaner, would probably censure Lamella's Rabona. Six points off fifth with a game still in hand. It's all still to play for in Mourinho land. They could entertain us. They're every, they have every incentive. So please, Jose La, don't be so defensive. 
Brilliant stuff, Kev, in sunny Spain. See you soon. Thank you, Joe. Thanks very much. Cheers, Finno. Cheers, guys. Thank you a lot, folks. Thanks for listening. This has been the Irishman, Englishman, and Scotsman football podcast. Uh, don't forget, if you're listening on YouTube, hit that like and subscribe button and keep an eye on our YouTube channel uh, for the Jonathan Gould interview this Thursday. Thanks a lot and enjoy the games. Yeah.